0: Hi, everybody. You're listening to the ninth episode of the Hipster Baseball Podcast on our Turkey Day Weekend Edition. I'm Carlo Calloway alongside Dorian. And on today's cast, we're going to be looking at and asking ourselves what happened to playing baseball on Thanksgiving. We're going to travel back in time to remind the pilgrims that drinking and selling on the Mayflower is dangerous and pretty illegal. And we're also going to sit back and just talk about the celebration of a Long lost holiday that used to be um, celebrated here in these United States called Evacuation Day. But of course, we always like to start the show by introducing ourselves. As you know, I'm DeCarlo Calloway with with Dorian and alongside the drinks that we're drinking today. So what's going on, Dorian? How are you today, man?
1: I'm I'm great. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to your family. I'm eager. I'm eager to start uh, some pre-celebrations for Thanksgiving. And... For today's episode I decided to, to drink uh, I, w- I went to a local brewery as usual. I'm gonna eventually I'm gonna switch this up and stop drinking beer but I just want to keep <laughs> pounding those fastballs right down the middle. So today I'm drinking a Goldfinch ale, which is a Belgian beer from a local American brewery called Dancing Kilt Brewery in Chester Virginia and it's a brand new brewery. It's actually right off of the i-95 highway. And it's just south, of Cap- uh, just south of Richmond, which is the capital of the Commonwealth of Virginia. It's a brand new business. Dancing Brewery opened their doors in June 2020. But the interesting, is, uh, interesting thing is that the town of Chester is much older than that. It was actually incorporated in 1614. Mm-hmm. And the county is named after a British politician named Philip Dormer Stanhope, he, who was the fourth Earl of Chesterfield. And he's famous for a variety of reasons. Uh, but Chesterfield was one of the men who actually helped guide and pass the Calendar New Style Act of 1750, where the British Empire went from the Gregorian, I'm sorry, went from the Justinian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. And-
0: So just a little tidbit for you guys out there. So the Justinian calendar, um, it uh, a day is added every 120, like, eight years. So currently from that switch back in 1560, when the Gregorian calendar was starting to adapt, not in England or the United Kingdom, but in other parts of Europe. Now it would be November 11th, where it's November 25th here. So just a
1: little tidbit, but sorry. No, that that's great. It's all, all More information is always better. So that act of, of, of parliament is also known as Chester's Chesterfield's act. And so Britain was and continues to be a Protestant country, and they were completely against Catholic countries like Italy, Spain, etc. So Protestant countries like Britain objected to adopting a Catholic innovation of this Gregorian calendar. So, And uh, some of the Protestants in England were actually afraid that Catholicism would return and be the prime, premier religion again. So what they did, so to, to alleviate those fears, they actually... Um, made sure that Easter was fell on the same day, just like DiCarlo explained, of uh, adding new days as the Gregorian one without actually referencing the Gregorian calendar. So, and the last reason that we like Philip Dormer Sandhope here on HPP, there's a beer called Lord Chesterfield Ale, and it's made by DG Youngling and Son of Pottsville, Pennsylvania, another great American town, and it's named for Philip Dormer Sandhope. So, I'm going to open up my beer right now, and cheers, and happy Thanksgiving to the fourth Earl of Chesterfield. Cheers to Carlo. Cheers. Don't
0: you always find it interesting, like, now we sit back, and if you examine, like, European history, how little squabbles between, you know, the branches of Christianity were so crazy. Like, nowadays, you don't even really hear much of, uh, you know, too, too many, like, Squabbles between say Protestants and Catholics. Just imagine, hopefully, we could say the same thing come a couple hundred years from now when it'd be like you know, Islam, whether it be Sunni or Shiites, along with you know, conflicts between uh Christians. So, fingers crossed, it could be so you know, trivial later on in in, in human history where people, our, our descendants, will be having podcasts and talking about you know the same little things. But anyway,
1: very dangerous. Dare to dream.
0: Yeah, that's what you can do. Um, So I am drinking uh, Torre Bruna Ananata 2018. It's a San red wine from the Tuscany region of Italy. Um, It's good. It's a nice mellow flavor, but it's very interesting because sometimes, like, of course, red wines, you really, when you want to pair it with meals, you usually want to do it with, say, like, a, a red meat. And sometimes it hits. But other times, if this is a type of wine, like if you do not have, if you haven't eaten something or paired it properly, it gives a little bit of a weird like aftertaste and it really can change. But today, thankfully I'm drinking it. I, um, I had some pasta for lunch. And so it's kind of hitting and it's, it's really nice right now. So, and considering it's not a very cold day, not really hot, it's the typical autumn day, this is a nice wine to, to drink on an evening before such a grand holiday as Thanksgiving. So that's what we're drinking. And uh, remember, as always, through every single podcast, we always encourage you guys to tweet us a picture of your choice of drink while you're listening to our podcast or celebrating your socially distancing Thanksgiving, whether it be a Zoom Thanksgiving, a Zoom Friendsgiving, a small gathering with your family, because of course we wanna make sure everybody walks away from this Thanksgiving safe and healthy and doesn't have to spend the ICU during Christmas, be in the hospital or the ICU during Christmas. God will, you know, God forbid. So remember, uh, we'll always retweet the best one. So Twitter handle at HBP 4040. Remember to use the hashtag HBP drink. So Dorian, I, I remember we were talking earlier and you were telling me a little bit of a story about baseball on Thanksgiving. You know, we usually equate Thanksgiving with football and
1: recent irons. Yeah. yeah, the the Turkey Bowl the, with running a 5K on Thanksgiving, but in this in this week's segment, the Dewey Decimal System, A.K.A. Lost in History, 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 History. Baseball used to actually pe- be played on Thanksgiving in the late 1850s. The Thanksgiving holiday used to actually mark the close of baseball, which is in, which is crazy. Normally, nowadays baseball usually ends at the very end of October, basically a month ago. And there was, a, there was a local newspaper called The Evening Standard, and it was from uh, New Bedford, Massachusetts, all the way up in New England. And they wrote that, quote, the regular ball season is considered to close with Thanksgiving, though many games will doubtlessly be played through the winter when the weather will permit, end quote. That's insane. If you guys ever have been to New England in the wintertime, in the fall, it, it just snows all the time. I can't imagine people playing baseball up there in those awful uh, – New England winter weathers. <clears throat> I mean fall weathers, I mean. So speaking of Thanksgiving and speaking of New England, I want to share a wonderful story of Thanksgiving with you guys in the in in the spirit of Charlie Brown's Thanksgiving, which one of one of my favorite special ones. Forget all those crazy Hallmark and uh and uh lifetime Christmas shows. The, it's all about Charlie Brown's Thanksgiving. I'm not gonna tell you about Charlie Brown's Thanksgiving special here. I'm gonna tell you about Drinking. Here on this podcast on HBP, we love our drinks. And if it wasn't for alcohol, there would not have been any Mayflower ship to bring the pilgrims over. There would have been no pilgrims. There probably wouldn't have been no Thanksgiving with Native Americans and possibly no America. This is why. That famous ship that we all learn about, the Mayflower, which carried the pilgrims to the New World, basically New England, was actually named after the smell of the ship's previous cargo, which was wine that used to be, the Mayflower used to transport wine from Spain up the Atlantic coast to England. So when they bought it and they, and they tried to retrofit it, the, it, the, the Mayflower actually held uh, 102 passengers and a crew of about 40. There was no privacy, no bunks to sleep in. There was nowhere to wash yourself, and when you had to, when you had to answer the the, the call of nature, Duca, do you know what they used when they when they had to go use uh, when they had to call, uh, when they had to call when they had the call of nature?
0: A slop bucket or something
1: like that. <laughs> Basically, they used a bucket. Gross. So, <laughs> remember, the Mayflower was built to transport wine, not people. So here's the thing. They brought with them beer, and I'm talking lots and lots and lots of beer. And they also had some water. But the problem was that in 17th century Britain, much like 17th century Europe, people weren't used to drinking water because of the amount of pollution that was in it. It's disgusting. We're not going to get into it. Just trust me when I say it was gross. So water, you simply could not drink water in 17th century Europe. So... After numerous delays, the Mayflower finally left England in September of 1620. And because of some fierce storms across the Atlantic, they were actually blown off course. And it wasn't until the morning of the 9th of November, basically two, three weeks ago, uh, that they that they spotted land. And they from the Mayflower, they looked out, and they called it Cape Cod. But they're running out of supplies. And more importantly, beer. The problem was that the King of England, James I, had granted those pilgrims on the Mayflower permission to settle in Virginia, which is much farther south than modern-day New England. And they actually had no legal right to land on Cape Cod. So they were low on food, low on beer, and the beer that they were drinking had, about an, al- had an alcohol content of about 5 to 6%. And everybody on board, men, women, and even children, would drink about a gallon of beer a day insane, and what they did was they probably mixed it with a plant containing vitamin C, such as uh, pine needle or uh, spruce twigs. So because the Mayflower was out to sea for so long, the captain, Christopher Jones, he needed to ration the beer supply because he was planning on immediately returning to England, and him and the crew still needed beer to carry them back. This is sev- the 17th century. They just couldn't drop off and, and go down and do a, a quick uh, a beer run. It didn't exist. So when Captain Jones started rationing beer, immediately the passengers of the Mayflower started showing signs of scurvy. Some of the some of the symptoms of scurvy are the bleeding gums, the loosening of teeth, and bad breath. So. Scurvy also, this is a huge problem, but we don't have any more, thank goodness, because of modern of, uh, of advances in medicine. But And oranges. <laughs> and well, they, well, you know, well, DeCarlo, you know, they, they didn't know about oranges being able to help them uh, it, to, uh, to address scurvy. So basically what curvy, scurvy used to c- cause was a weakening of uh, the collagenous structures, which holds basically your body together in your bones, in your teeth and it's an over it overall it degenerates your muscles. It's a very very bad thing to have. And like I said, when Captain Jones started ration, uh, rationing uh beer, it was it was it was bad news on the Mayf- on the Mayflower. And here's a here's another little tidbit. Back in the early 1500s in Europe, it was actually recommended that a treatment for scurvy was to rinse your mouth with urine. Uh, Gross! So, gold, golden shower mouth that's Gross! Ugly. So anyways, so the beer, it takes the edge off when you drink it nowadays, but the beer also helped calm down some of those passengers on that terrible Atlantic Ocean crossing. Imagine so, the though. That's true. But then they would just treat it with more beer. You know, the, the what is it? Uh, the, hair the, the dog. The tail, the hair of the dog. Yeah. So the beer supplies were already dwindling and the pilgrims needed to land ASAP. Now, listen here, this is referencing back to what DeCarlo was saying at the beginning of the episode of uh, drinking and sailing at the same time, which is a bad idea. The pilgrims were, they were sailing while intoxicated. A gallon of beer a day basically puts your blood level, your alcohol blood level of around to around 0.8, which in today's world makes it illegal to drive. Yeah. You know, and you and you know who our favorite drunk driver is, uh, Tony Larusa. Anyways, I'm a Hall of Famer, brother. Remember that. So, the Pilgrims loved so much beer that a brew house was one of the first structures that they built in Plymouth, and and afterwards they they built a tavern. I mean, the, these people loved beer, and in the famous 1621 Thanksgiving with the uh, Wampanoag tribe, which was obviously made famous in the aforementioned. Charlie, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special that we really, all Really, We're attributing Charlie Brown to the famous <laughs> He like... made it famous. Charlie Brown made it famous. Oh, obviously, I'm joking people, oh. but we know it's it's a, it's a tradition here in the US to watch Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. So in so in that famous 1621 Thanksgiving feast, uh the pilgrim's friend Samoset actually joined them in drinking beer. He had never tasted beer, obviously, and he and he had said he said that it helped make friendships easier, as as you can imagine, those of you who drink. But or another, another yeah,
0: that's true. <laughs> Depends another, on how.
1: A how many are you drinking? That Thanksgiving was actually wasn't the first Thanksgiving celebrated in Europe. I'm sorry, by Europeans here in the U S. The first Thanksgiving was actually held in almost 100 years earlier in 1541 by the Spanish explorer. Uh, Francisco uh, Francisco Vázquez de Coronado in Paolo Ludo Canyon. with Duro is like, a, it means a hard stick canyon, which is today in modern day Mexico. So beer was everything to these pilgrims. And if it wasn't for beers, they never, it wasn't, if it wasn't for the lack of beer, they wouldn't have never have settled in Cape Cod. So those nine weeks of hell on the Atlantic Ocean and the Mayflower um, contributed to the history of our country. And it, again, if they hadn't run a beer, American history would have been drastically different. And ask yourself do you learn this, this tidbit that I shared with you in history class when you're in elementary school? Absolutely not. That's why people don't like history. It's taught so dry, so boring. It takes away the humanity and the flaws and the alcoholism of people that came before us and the and, misogyny
0: and the racism and
1: everything else that comes along with it. That just makes human being so damn special and interesting. Yeah. When you're <laughs> drunk, you make bad decisions. So, but good anyways, ones. that's true and good and good ones. So depends um, on how the night
0: turns out and whether or not you wake up smiling the next morning or cringing because, you know, you find yourself in a dump or sleeping on a subway station. But anyway, I'm or sm- Find
1: yourself in Cape Cod.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But thank you for that uh, exquisite explanation. But now we got to take a little second to have a word from our sponsors. So as you sit home this Thanksgiving and you're with your family and you come across that moment that always happens every Thanksgiving where you're just sitting around and saying to yourself, man, I really wish I could be entertained in some way, shape or form, not only for myself, but for my family. And that I can control not only the, the images that are on TV, as well as the music that is coming on. Well, we have a solution for you. For those who know, The Box, the channel that allows for people to dial in so that they can request their favorite music videos at the drop of a dime is working and is going to be trans, trans uh, streaming throughout the airwaves this Thanksgiving. So as you sit back with your family, wondering to yourself, man, if I could really watch that Snow and Farmer video with all of the subtitles trying to tell you how, what that man is saying in his broken down Canadian patois, the box music video um, edition of that song has the subtitles right there for you to be able to tap in to understand what in Farmer, a no sonoma seminar, and plan, a linky boom boom there, actually translates to. In Farmer, sitting back in the background, sitting bare, in the back of a lair. I see that boom, boom there. But anyway, I digress. So remember, if you want to be able to be in control of the music that you listen to and love and the videos that are alongside and accompany them, turn into the box. The box. Music you control. So, all right. November is a, a month that we in the United States always tend to correspond with Thanksgiving. But little did many Americans know and much more even some of our international listeners is that there is another holiday that is of very much importance that sadly has not really had as much prominence in recent um years and that is evacuation day and evacuation day it's it's a holiday that is on actually today November 25th, and it was first celebrated in 1783, and it marks the day when the British Army departed from New York City, which effectively ended the American Revolutionary War. A lot of people usually think that the revolution ended when Cornwallis surrendered to Washington and Yorktown, but of course, there was still a whole treaty process that went down and negotiations, and a lot of people tend to forget that New York was effectively under... Um, Occupation during the throughout the American Revolution. Um, so, when the British Army did evacuate out of the city, it effectively ended the war. So, during this time, General Washington led the Continental Army from his headquarters north of the city, which was pretty much in West Point in the, in the area that would be modern day West Point in White Plains as well across the Harlem River and south through Manhattan to the Battery, which is at the southern tip, which we would now associate with, say, the Battery Park area. Sir Guy Carlton, the commander of the British forces in North America, was ordered to evacuate in mid-August of 1783. So just think about that. When you think about if anybody who is from New York, as I am, who lives here and knows New York summers, especially in August, they're muggy, they're hot, they're disgusting. And back then, it wasn't as though you would catch uh, 18th century uh, British loyalists and Tories walking around in shorts and t-shirts. They were pretty much wearing full dress and clothing, especially army army soldiers and officers. Only imagine if they would be trying to evacuate the city during that time, it'd be pretty bad. so they eventually evacuated more than twenty-nine thousand loyalist refugees from the city. So these are the people who sided with the British during the war, because they knew at this point there was no way, shape, and form that they would be able to stick around after the American rebels, those rebel rousers, were a, who took over and beat the British. They know they would have got the you know the the bricks beat off of them if they stayed in the city. So they decided to go back to Britain themselves. The British also evacuated 3,000 black loyalists. So these were former slaves. They had liberated from the Americans to Canada, East Florida, the Caribbean, and back in England in the city of London. And Sir Guy, which I got to give him credit, he refused to return these black loyalists to their American slaveholders and overseers as the Treaty of Paris, which was the treaty that effectively ended the American Revolution, had required them to do so. So that's a moment when we sit back and applaud people for breaking the law, because you know what, slavery sucks, it always sucks, and no matter how people try to say it, it never was a great institution. And for those who know, the current mayor, who is Bill de Blasio, terrible guy currently, sorry, but he couldn't live up to um, to the expectations when, you know, Crisis arise. but anyway, I digress. And previous mayors before him, with the exception of Michael Bloomberg, the billionaire mayor who was able to buy himself a third term, lived in Gracie Mansion, which is the official mayoral residence mansion since 1799. It's on the Upper East Side. If you're ever in Manhattan and you're walking down the East Side Promenade, you'll see Gracie Mansion. It's a little little mansion, but not too big. But it actually still does have that 18th century feel to it a little bit. But the last Loyalist mayor of New York, David Matthews, had a home in Manhattan as a summer residence and also, well, no, he had his home in Manhattan, but he had a summer residence in the Flatbush neighborhood of Brooklyn, which for those baseball buffs who we do expect and do know you're listening, know that Ebbets Field, which was the home of the Brooklyn Dodgers, was located in Flatbush um, prior to them moving to Los Angeles. And so evacuation day was celebrated every year in New York with parades and other spectacles. But by the time President Lincoln issued the Thanksgiving Day Proclamation in 1863, which was done as a way to try to bring the country together during which war? The American Civil War. Evacuation day was becoming less and less popular. So a little interesting caveat to think that celebrating a war that gained us independence when that celebration was starting to dwindle, we then have another holiday that's installed just around that same time that was put together as a way to bring the country to back together. So that's a little interesting kind of thing if you think about it. But um, it started to dwindle and it was officially the last celebration of evacuation day took place in November 25th, 1916. So. Today, there is an Evacuation Day Plaza in Bowling Green, which is right in that Battery Park area uh, around Clinton Clinton Castle, where if you are going to catch the ferry to see the Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island, where you would go, there's a public park that you can visit if you do want to check it out to kind of commemorate a forgotten holiday. But we also can't forget that Mayor Matthews, there is a playground in the Bronx, which is the home of the New York Yankees, Partially named after him, and it's called the Matthews Mulliner Playground, and as part of the inscription of the playground reads: "Quote the British-born Matthews was installed as the loyalist mayor. Matthews was known as a thief, an embezzler, and a spendthrift. Major shade, but also a pretty dis- character. Pretty similar characteristics of any modern-day politicians that we think of currently. So that is a little history there. When it comes, I to love that history, line of." <laughs>
1: Uh, why? Why would the city of New York continue to have the name of Mayor David Matthews on that playground up in Harlem? When on the Bronx, when they throw that shit on oh, the Bronx, yes, yeah, yeah. right. And it's like he was a thief, he was an embezzler, and he was a spendthrift. And take his name off the the the, the playground. I mean, people old these old white guys have had their names taken off a bunch of things over the past few years for a lot uh, a lot worse. Um, but, well, but uh, you
0: know what? But funny. he. Well, well, no, he probably was a slave
1: owner too. Anyway, no, it was the other guy. He, he was, was in New
0: York. I he. Uh, yeah, there was slavery at that time. He
1: actually, he actually moved uh, to Canada after that, and then, um, and then he ended up dying, I think, in Australia.
0: Oh wow! He really so, did the British the empire, the, the whole
1: empire thing. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. So uh, the uh, Mayor David Matthews. And, and, and another quick tidbit about Mayor David Matthews. He actually was. A, he was people suspected that he was he he was part of a plot to kill General George Washington. And that was another reason he had to hightail it out of New York as that transition period that they were they were evacuating. And we should also we should also mention that evacuation day, that the one that Carlo just mentioned, November 25th of every year, is New York. Is is not celebrated anymore in New York, but it was it was uh, it was celebrated in New York. There's also an evacuation day in Massachusetts, which is still kind of celebrated, um, and it's it's on March uh, March 17th, which obviously coincides with St. Patrick's Day. So in my birthday. There you go, and um, it's also the same thing of uh, when the British left uh, the city of Boston. That's when they. They uh, observe ele- uh, evacuation day, but too, too too many people are you know drinking and doing St. Patrick's Day shenanigans to actually realize that that was the day that the British left the city of Boston. Mm, interesting.
0: So, but anyway, guys, um, you know before we hightail it because we know everybody is going to be prepping and listening, but we hope you guys are still listening as you are getting your prep on your cook on. But for a little unsolicited advice. I just want, for those who are visiting family for Thanksgiving or will be over the holiday weekend, um, keep the gathering small. You know, just like I kind of mentioned before, you know, the last thing you wanna do is, you know, have a Thanksgiving celebration and then one of your family members is uh, celebrating Christmas in the ICU. So if you can, keep them small. You don't want this to be grandma's last Thanksgiving or for anyone to spend Christmas, not with the family or in quarantine. Um, For those who usually have Friendsgiving, you know, you can speak to your friends via Zoom. You can sit back and share food and all of that stuff via Zoom. You don't need to have these big, big gatherings. Sadly, unfortunately, 2020 has been a year of the dumpster fire. And even though we've seen little triumphs, we got some good news here and there coming around the corner, makes it look like 2021 might be a little bit better. We still want to make it to 2021. So do all you can to make sure that you are safe and that your holiday is a prosperous one, but also a healthy one. And that is my unsolicited advice for everybody this episode. Any, any advice for you that you want to um, send off the listeners with Dorian?
1: Drink and be merry. And again, remember, tweet us pictures of what, of what you're eating, of uh, what you're drinking and enjoy. This is Thanksgiving is one of my favorite, holidays. I love it because it's really just food and family F F and F. That's it. There are no, there are no expectations to go out and drinking like there is in St. Patrick's day. There's no expectations of having to exchange gifts like on Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa. There are no expectations of being stuck in traffic to go see some 4th of July fireworks in your local downtown or local town. It's just food and family. I love it. And Feel free to play baseball as well as touch football in in the in in, in your local park or as long as you're outside and socially distant.
0: <laughs> or on your um, new next gen consoles, if you can, as well. Just what, make you mean the Atari,
1: because uh, no, I no PlayStation I, I Five and Xbox, okay. the new ones. Right, right. I don't play any of that stuff. So um, I do go out and go out and, and and be physically active and thank thank everybody that you're born in the U.S. and.
0: Or anywhere you
1: were born, the fact that you were alive. That's true. So happy Thanksgiving.
0: And for those who don't know what Thanksgiving is and who are listening from all abroad, just know it's, you know, another holiday that Americans just celebrate everywhere, no matter where we are. So if you do have American friends and they're in your town or some expats, ask them what they're doing. If you could. Jump in on a Zoom call for that Thanksgiving or even celebrate. Carlo,
1: uh, I I I already I'm already in my mind. I've already brewed our Thanksgiving special for next year. But Mm. as a sneak peek, Thanksgiving is not only celebrated in the U.S. Shockingly, Brazil in South America they celebrate Thanksgiving when the fourth Thursday of every November Mm. because it was because of religious uh, because of uh, I think it was Baptist missionaries that went to Brazil. So people who are Baptist in Brazil, they celebrate Thanksgiving just like we do. And they all, and also we cannot forget our wonderful friends of North Canada. Mm-hmm. They celebrate Thanksgiving the, I think it's the October 2nd. I know it's like the first or second week of October, but uh, happy, belated, ha- happy, very belated Thanksgiving to our friends of North Canada. And there's a variety of other countries that also celebrate it, so.
0: And also just a little bit of, uh, just our little personal history. Thanksgiving was actually the day that Dorian and I first met each other uh, back when we were in graduate school. And where did we celebrate Thanksgiving? I forgot.
1: In the United Kingdom. That's right. As and you guys can tell, this is a very heavy. This is a very British-heavy uh, episode with yeah. uh, the Earl of Chesterfield, with the Pilgrims coming over from England. So that's true. Happy Thanksgiving! I had completely forgot about. Yeah,
0: that. Yeah, man, You're I remember that. Right, that was, that was a good. Was. That was a good Thanksgiving too. It was. Well, shout out to everybody. Up in Manchester, who, who uh, was there. So, y'all know who y'all are, especially if you're listening. So, anyway, but that's a wrap for us, people. We want to thank you for listening again. Make sure you please subscribe to the podcast. You'll find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and give us a review. Follow us on Twitter at HBP4040, and our drinks will be in the show notes. So remember, with all of this knowledge that we drop on y'all when it comes to drinks, we hope that you guys utilize it. Try out some of these drinks. And also, if you guys have any suggestions of drinks that you would want us to probably try out on the show, please tweet them at us. That would be really great. Gets us a little moving, shaking. And then, you know, we'll take photos of them and share them on Twitter, so that we can always have that dialogue continuously going back and forth with each other. So Carlo,
1: I'm gonna throw in a record scratch right here. We cannot forget, I had said, we're celebrating with friends, we could celebrate Friendsgiving all over Zoom or what have you, but what about the other people who are other beings who are part of Thanksgiving celebration? Our pets, yes. We can't forget them. They're the one that we share our leftover with them. So we're gonna ask you, Tweet us a picture of your pets enjoying the Thanksgiving leftovers that you're sharing with them, or doing what they do best—sleep—and we're going to retweet that. Scratching the ones. themselves, or scratching themselves, yeah, or uh, licking them, whatever, yeah, whatever they do, doing things. So we are on our Twitter account. We already have two pictures up, which are the official HBP mascots, the parakeets, mm-hmm. and uh, our newest listener, a beautiful white cat named Simone. She loves the show, by the way. That's what she told me, as she purred it that way. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so our Twitter handle is at HBP 4040 And when you send us a picture, you use the hashtag HBPETS. HBPets.
0: All right. So join us next time with a brand new episode of HBP Hips and Baseball Podcast. And happy Thanksgiving, everybody.
1: We out. Peace.